Father, by your power, we come alive. Because the resurrected King is resurrecting each and every one of us. And this morning, we give you all praise and all glory as we come into your presence to worship you and thank you on this Resurrection Sunday. We pray it all in your name, Lord. Amen. You guys can be seated as you're seated. I'm going to send all my K through fifth grade out that door with Miss Helen. They're waiting for you. They're excited about doing some Easter stuff this morning. And I hope that you are as well couple things I want to take a moment just to welcome you and want to say thank you for being with us on this Easter morning and as we are here if you're visiting with us thank you thanks for joining us thanks for hanging out with us and I know Bruce already mentioned it up front but I would encourage you to take one of these black welcome cards the welcome home cards back in the back fill that out because we would love to be able to follow up with you we actually have a gift for you as well back at the welcome center and if you are not one who likes to fill out cards, you're more of a digital person, you can do it on your app or you can do it online. I actually prefer that because then I don't have to have anybody enter it in and I can read it. So that's all good things on that. Hey, a couple things before we dive in this morning. I figure the best way to start out this morning would be with just a little bit of trivia. Okay, just a little bit of trivia. And the reason for it is because my wife, Christy, was at Walgreens. And she saw a prize that I could not pass up. One that I had to make sure that somebody at the 10 o'clock service got their hands on, okay? So this is what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna read you one trivia question this morning. I'm gonna give you four answers. That's three. We're gonna do four answers. And as we have four answers, you get to pick the one that is correct. If you get it right, you get the prize and I'm telling you it's a prize worth having okay so here's the question for you for today it being Easter Sunday people like jelly beans how many jelly beans do Americans eat every year now with a show of your hand first one goes up tell me the right answer you get the prize is it 2 billion 9 billion 16 billion or 23 billion Hands up. Answer. Billy, what's that? 23, I am sorry. It's incorrect. Down to three. 16 is correct, Jim. And guess what, Jim? You get the prize of the century. That's right. It is taco truck jelly beans. <laughs> and it has churro, salsa, guacamole, beef taco, and horchata flavors. So just in case you're wondering for any of those, the beautiful thing is I would really try the beef taco and guacamole together and see what it tastes like, all right? And I'm sure if anybody wants to give it a shot, Jim will be willing to share, okay? So thank you so much for playing with that. Yes, give it up for Jim. That's a lot of jelly beans. Anybody in here not like jelly beans? I do not really like jelly beans, so I, I'm glad that I have a few people in here with me. But if you are visiting with us or if you have slept since the last time we got together, I want to let you know that we have been in a three-year journey through the Bible. We have pointed at Jesus every step along the way. And since January, we have taken a pause on that and really focused on Revelation and how it points to Jesus. 
how it's all about Jesus. And I was going back and forth on whether or not we should go with the traditional Easter message on Easter Sunday or if we should continue in Revelation. And today we're going to continue in Revelation. As a matter of fact, we'll be in Revelation chapter 19 this morning. And what I want you to do as you're open there, I want you to understand that when we look at Revelation, we need to remember this is not a book of doom and gloom. This is a book about Jesus. It points to Jesus. It's a revelation of Jesus, and it's a revelation to encourage his followers at the time then and a time now that are under persecution. And not just encourage them, but encourage them to live for him. So we're going to be in Revelation chapter 19. If you have your Bible with you, um, I would love for you to open there. Revelation is the last book of the Bible, and there's only 22 chapters in Revelation. So we're almost at the very end before you get to your concordance and your dictionary back there in the back. So as you are there, I want to let you know we're coming off of some chapters that dealt with the wrath of God. And we talked about that last week. And that wrath of God carried over and being poured out on those who are in rebellion against him. His followers rejoice in the righteous justice that is being served. And we're actually going to look at that beginning of 19 next week. We're going to jump to 11 through 21 today because there's so much in the beginning dealing with things like the millennium. I know you're really excited to hear about points of view on the millennium for next week as well as the great wedding feast but today what I want to do is I want to look at Jesus the second half of Revelation 19 verses 11 through 21 is about Jesus and the return of that resurrected king that we are singing about the return of the resurrected king see I truly believe that the most influential person to ever live is Jesus of Nazareth he has influenced life around the globe. And if historians and scholars have broken his earthly life down into seven major events, two of which we're going to talk about today. The first one, the incarnation. When he put on flesh, when the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We celebrate that at Christmas. The second one we see is the baptism of Jesus Christ where there's a declaration by God that this is the Messiah. This is the Messiah who is anointed with the Spirit. That leads into the desert and the temptation that takes place in the desert. That is our third thing they do. The 40 days in the wilderness. The beginning of the earthly ministry as the suffering servant like Isaiah 52 and 53 talk about. Then you have what we talked about on Friday night. If you were here for our Good Friday service, thank you for joining us. Sorry for those who are watching online. We had an internet outage that cut it out. Technology is beautiful, isn't it? But in the time, we get to look at Jesus on the cross, the crucifixion, where God's wrath was poured out on him, that he took the substitutionary death for us. That wrath was deserved for us, but he took it upon himself. Then, as we look at today, the resurrection. The resurrection of Jesus where God declared his acceptance of Christ's sacrifice and victory over death, over hell, over Satan, and over sin. It's why we're here today. It's why we celebrate every day, really. Sixth thing we see is the ascension. Back in Acts chapter 1, Jesus goes back up into heaven and he's interceding on our behalf at God's right hand. And he's actually still today reigning as Lord and King. Then, the seventh one, which will focus, be our primary focus for today. That's the return of the king. 
the second coming where he'll establish his universal and cosmic reign as king of kings and lord of lords but let me say this before we go any further even today i want you to know that no matter what you believe about the book of revelation whatever interpretation you might not see it from no matter what secondary issues or secondary topics that we disagree on and exactly how it's going to play out the one thing that we cannot disagree on is this jesus is coming back jesus is coming back and it will be real it will be visible he will be victorious in the judgment over satan and sin and the systems of this world he will return in glory and power and i will tell you this right now as we sang that first song it will be glorious i'm looking forward to it and i hope that you are as well getting to praise jesus as he comes back but here's the thing as we look at these seven things about jesus's life Many of us know them through church. Well, even if you only come to church on Christmas and Easter, you, you see two of them, and then the two big ones. What does it do for the rest of your life, though? How does it affect the way that you live? How does it keep us living for Jesus instead of just living for the way that we want to live because a lot of times we'll show up we'll do our thing at church we hear the message we'll get involved in a Bible study we go hmm that's nice but then we just keep doing what we have always done how will today's message on the second coming and the resurrection of Jesus change our lives because there's so much more to live for than just today there's so much more to live for than just today as a matter of fact, let me illustrate it this way. You're probably wondering why we have a yellow rope that is here at my feet and going out the door. Well, this yellow rope is a representation of life. It's a representation of life. It's a, it's a, a thing I've used before. I know others have used it before. So if you're like, oh, I've heard this, forgive me. Just bear with me as I go through it. But here's the reality. There's a point in time in your life where it started. There'll be a point in time in your life where the earthly life ends. That is marked by this black piece of tape everything after this and you'll see this rope goes all the way out and goes out the door i couldn't get an eternally long rope from home depot so i had to just use your imagination that it doesn't stop when it goes out the door and it just keeps wrapping around and around and around the world and what i want you to imagine is this that this is your life but the rest of it is your life as well it's not just your earthly life that we need to be concerned with. It's also your eternal life. And as we look at this rope, the problem in our lives and the problem in our world is that we forget about the rest of it and we only focus on this little black part. As a matter of fact, we're encouraged to only think about this little black part. What I want to do today, and this might not be your typical Easter message as we listen, but I want you to think about the time that your life is over. I want you to think about when everything that you've been living for in this little black space is done. The things like your life, your job, your stuff, your money, your relationships, your family, even your health. When they're all suddenly gone, what does the rest of all of this look like? And what determines it? And I know what you might be thinking. Well, you know what? That's a, that's a long ways off. And this is Easter. We don't talk about that on Easter. And when we start to think about this idea of it being a long ways off, 
I just want to share with you something. That this time last year on Easter Sunday morning, our friends Keith and Helen had lost their son to a, unexpectedly on Saturday night. Just a month ago, our friend Tim lost his wife tragically and unexpectedly in a way that none of us could have ever imagined. Life is not guaranteed for anybody. Tomorrow is not guaranteed for anybody. Anything could happen in this service. Anything could happen beyond this service. And our life could be snuffed out just like that. The rest of that yellow line, the rest of the yellow rope, it matters. It matters. So when we begin to start focusing on that little spot because the world says, hey, you know what? Don't worry about eternity. Or the world says, everybody gets to go to heaven. I want to clarify with you today that that's not true. That how we live and in who we live matters. And that matters even today. God actually reveals this truth to us in his word and he hasn't left us in the dark about what's to come. That's what Revelation is sharing with us. He has told us how to be ready for that moment that you die and how to be ready in that moment will affect every moment you live right now. And so as we dive into Revelation 19, I want you to see that the return of the resurrected king, the return of the resurrected king shows four clear conclusions that we will come to either today or the day that he returns. It's a clear conclusion. So the first thing we need to realize is this. As we look at the scripture, as we look at Revelation chapter 19, starting in verse 11, the first thing we need to recognize is this. Jesus alone is faithful and true. Revelation 19:11 starts off saying these words. Then I saw heaven open and there was a white horse. Its rider called Faithful and true. Now, if you've been with us since the beginning of the year, or at least the beginning of the book, it actually opens up in chapter 1 that we describe describing Jesus. And one of the things it talked about in chapter 1, verse 5, it actually gives us a description of Jesus as the faithful and true witness. So it opens that way, and now that we're in 19, it's beginning to close that way. That Jesus alone is faithful and true. Now, this is what we need to know. When all is said and done, we are going to realize that Jesus was faithful. All that he said he would do is going to be done. All that he had promised will have happened. We also know that he's true. What does it mean that he's true? It means there's no error in him. He's fully authentic. He's completely perfect. In that, we can put our trust. And I say in that we can put our trust because think about the things of this world that we put our trust in. How many of those things have let you down? How many of those things have let you down? Think about these things. People, jobs, homes, investments, dreams, money, even your sports teams. All of these things can and eventually will let you down if they haven't already. But, if we open our eyes to the reality of Jesus being revealed to us in this chapter and throughout the Bible, it's saying continually that he is the one that is faithful and true. He is the one we can put our trust in. He is perfect love. He is perfect goodness. He is perfect power. He is perfect humility. He is perfect kindness, perfect gentleness, perfect strength. The list can continue to go on and on and on describing Jesus. But the point here is 
what the Bible is trying to tell us is Jesus is worthy to put our trust in and he will never, ever let you down. Never, ever. One thing I didn't include in that list of perfections of Jesus is this. He is perfectly just. And we actually see that in the rest of Revelation 19, 11. At the end of the verse, it says these words. And with justice, he judges and makes war. So on that day, here's the second picture we're going to see, that Jesus is the final judge of all. Can I tell you that's good news? That's good news. What is being revealed here is that in the end, in the end, Jesus will come and make all wrongs right. He'll make all wrongs right, and he'll do it rightly, he'll do it justly, and he'll do it fairly because he is perfect. There will be no Senate confirmation hearings to try and figure out whether or not he's allowed to sit on the court or not. He is over all, and he is the just final judge of all. Now, I said it's good news. You might be thinking, oh, why is that good news? Why is Jesus being a judge good news? Well, I said this on Friday, and I said it, I'll say it again, that God is not indifferent. He cares. He cares. And in our world, the injustices that are around are immense. You might be thinking, well, if he cares, why do they exist? As a matter of fact, I get that question all the time. How can you believe in or serve a God who allows bad things to happen? You ever been asked that question before? My answer to that question is another question. How can you not? How can you not? Because without a God of justice, who will make wrongs right? Without a God of justice, it means that evil gets to win. It means evil gets away with it. That means we're all just a product of chance. And some people, when they're born, they get dealt a good hand of cards. Some people, they get dealt a cruddy hand of cards. And it's tough luck, Chuck, if you're on the cruddy side. None of us want to see it that way. We know that isn't true. And I serve a God who's just. We've been created for a thirst for justice by that God. I mean, just watch the news and feel the feelings that come up when you see the bad things happen. Does it turn your stomach? Does it make you angry? Does it drive you to want to do something? See, we have that because that's the way God made us. That's the way God wired us, that evil would not get to write the end of the story. We celebrate today because evil didn't get to write the end of the story. Justice is coming in Jesus and also through Jesus. And I say through Jesus because we, as Jesus' followers, are driven to do things about evil in this world because of him. We want to go out. We want to make a difference. But ultimately, in the end, the judge is coming and he is going to make wrongs right. He's going to make wrongs right. But here's something we need to understand. It's not just people we think that are bad that Jesus is going to ultimately come and judge. He's also coming to judge you and me. And you might be thinking, well, you know what? How's that possible? I, I'm not that bad. I haven't done that many bad things. As a matter of fact, I think I'm pretty good. I mean, I don't know if you're like me, but sometimes that thought goes into my head. I begin to think that I, I'm pretty good, but if you were here on Friday night or if you've ever heard Isaiah chapter 53, when the prophet is writing, he says, all we like sheep have gone astray. Each of us to our own way. In that is saying that we wandered away from God. Maybe not the same way as everybody else has, but we've all wandered in our own different ways. And in that, 
our heart has said, God, I know my life better than you. I know my life better than you and I know what is best and I'm going to go against what you tell me and I'm going to do my own thing. That is called rebellion and rebellion is called sin. If you were with us again Friday night, I said sin is fractured a relationship with God. It has ruined what he has created. It's the reason why we suffer hurt. It's the reason why we suffer loss. It's the reason why we suffer loneliness. It's the reason why everything bad happens in the world is because of sin. See, it wasn't in God's original design for it to happen. But here we are guilty guilty of sin even if we're not that bad we still aren't perfect we've still missed God's perfect mark we're all guilty before a perfect and holy God even if you try and hide those sins let me give you a disgusting illustration for a second I like to make breakfast for my kids on Saturday morning big breakfast it's kind of the thing that we do uh, every Saturday just to sit down as a family before the weekend really gets going and I like to make pancakes and I like to make eggs and I like to make bacon and sausage and sometimes hash browns and just the whole thing just make a mess of the kitchen right I like fried eggs I like them cooked I don't I don't particularly like scrambled eggs didn't even when I was a kid my kids love scrambled eggs so because they like them I make them and I'm not sure about you but when you're making scrambled eggs you crack eggs we, we generally go through about 18 to 20 at our house in, in a sitting because we got a lot of kids who like a lot of eggs and and I'll be doing that and then I'll take a little bit of heavy whipping cream and I'll pour some heavy whipping creams in there because it gives them a nice fluffiness you sprinkle in a little pepper a little bit of salt some olive oil to get it in there to really kind of mix it up sometimes you toss in a little Irish butter in there to give it a little bit of flavor and you you get it all nice and worked up well I was doing this yesterday and I was you know whisking them all together and do my thing but I'm not sure about you guys but allergies this year I don't generally suffer from allergies but allergies have been killing me you probably even hear it in my voice right now like just sneezing and coughing and just chest full of junk kind of allergy stuff well yesterday I was sneezing and I was coughing the pepper probably didn't help as I sprinkled it in but as I was sneezing and coughing I I had this what if moment what if this chunk of cleansed phlegm flew from my mouth and into the bowl. Now, let's be honest. Eggs already look like snot. So it's, it's not going to be that bad, right? I mean, as long as I mix it up, nobody's going to know the difference, right? Except for the health inspector standing over my shoulder or, you know, the chef or my kids. Um, if I had a bowl that was almost perfect would you want me to serve it to you no way because it's disgusting you would not want to eat my phlegm and if you did we need to have a serious talk the reality is that's what we do to Jesus it's not that bad here's my life I'm just going to offer up this thing that's just slightly stained stained is stained imperfect is imperfect he wants perfection we all have sinned and we try and hide those sins from him by saying well we are a good person in comparison to that person but not in comparison to God as a matter of fact that actually leads to the third part of the point in Revelation chapter 19 verse 12 that it says that Jesus knows all and he sees all we cannot hide things from him we brought this up in week one we said we can't blow smoke up his up his tunic 
know, we, we can't throw shade at him. He sees all. As a matter of fact, in verse 12, it says this. His eyes are like a fiery flame and many crowns were on his head and he has a name written that no one except himself knows. The image being painted here is there, painted is that there are no smoke screens. He is going to see through it all. I, I want you to imagine your life being a movie. A movie that is going to be played on YouTube. But this movie shows every thought, every action, every even angry look that you've given to anybody. And it's going to play every single thing, even the hidden things. It's going to be on YouTube for the whole world to see. Would you be bothered by that? If every hidden thing from your whole life, from what you've done to what you're going to do, showed yeah, I think we'd all be horrified. The comments would be high. The hits would be amazing. But we'd all be mortified that somebody saw that much stuff. The reality is, is Jesus sees all and he knows all. It's going to play out in front of him. And that leads really to the last part of our picture. The fourth thing revealed in Revelation 19 about Jesus. And that is Jesus is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He is the ultimate King and Lord over all. As a matter of fact, 13 through 16 tells us this. Listen as I read. It says, He wore a robe dipped in blood, and His name is called the Word of God. The armies that were in heaven followed Him on white horses wearing pure white linen. A sharp sword came from His mouth so that He might strike the nations with it. He will rule them with an iron rod. He will also trample the winepress of the fierce anger of God, the Almighty. And He has a name written on His robe and on His thigh. What is that name? King of kings and Lord of lords. I'm not going to go into great detail here. We'll get into more of it next week and in the coming weeks. But here's the big picture I want you to see. Jesus is king. And he's coming back. And he's bringing the ultimate kingdom to earth with him. There is not a person. I want you to hear me on this. There is not a person on this planet that will not bow down to him. Any high head of state, any lowly person like me and you, we will all bow down as a matter of fact Paul tells us in Philippians chapter 2 verses 9 through 11 he says for this reason God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and even under the earth and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father this day is coming it doesn't matter who you are it doesn't matter how important you think you are this day is coming that we will all bow down. As a matter of fact, if we jump a little bit further ahead into Revelation chapter 20, verses 11 through 15, it says these words. Then I saw a great, great white throne and one seated on it. Earth and heaven fled from his presence and no place was found for them. I also saw the dead, the great and the small, standing before the throne and the books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to to their works by what was written in the books then the sea gave up the dead that were in it and the death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them and each one was judged according to their works death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire this is the second death the lake of fire and anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire again we'll get into more details of that with coming weeks but here's what I want you to see today there will be a day that every single one of us face judgment before the true and just judge. We will stand before God's throne and it says books will be opened. 
Those books will be opened and it will have a record of our entire lives in it. And all of it will be laid out fully before our holy God. So I want you to know something real quick. If there is somehow, some way, you've been duped into believing that at the end of life, there's a giant set of scales that have your good deeds and your bad deeds. And as long as your good deeds outweigh your bad deeds, you get to get into heaven. Please know that's not what's in Scripture. Scripture is very clear that at the end, there's a book. There's a book of life and asks, is your life written in it? You know, the rest of this rope, it's not determined by scales. It's not determined by how hard you tried in this life. It's determined by the answer to a question. And the question is this, did you trust Jesus as your life? Did you trust Jesus as your life? You see, we have two pictures of these books in Revelation. One, the book that is mentioned above. And then two, this book of life is mentioned in Revelation 13, 8 as well. And that book of life is described this way. The book of life of the lamb who was slaughtered for my sin. It's the book of life of the one who paid my debt. It's the book of life of the one who came to sacrifice himself for me. This book is a reference to everyone who has trusted in Jesus to save them. Now, we've already talked about how sin has fractured our relationship with God. It's separated us from God. The great thing is, and the good news you hear this morning, and the fact that Jesus rose from the dead is this. God didn't leave us alone in our guilt and in our sin. He came to us in the form of a person of Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ did three things that we could not do. Thing number one is, he lived the perfect, sinless life. A life that we couldn't live. The second thing is he died the death that we deserve to die. When he was nailed to the cross, he was not guilty. We were. And he died for each and every one of us. And the third thing is, is, and the most important thing, he didn't stay dead. He didn't stay dead. That is why we are here today. Jesus conquered the enemy that we can't conquer. Death itself. Are you grateful for that? Thank you. Can I get another amen? That's big time news here because in that we say that Jesus is alive, that he is risen, he is risen indeed. He's alive and he offers life to each and every one of us who trust in him. That is the message of the gospel. Anyone, anywhere, no matter what you've done, no matter what sins you've had, can be forgiven by God. He will forgive all of your sin through the blood of Jesus Christ and you can have eternal life in him. That is when the rest of this rope changes. That's when the rest of this rope changes. And you go, well, well, what do I do? What do I do? That's a great question. Because back in Acts chapter 2, when Peter preached a message similar to this about the salvation found in Jesus Christ, the first question was, what do I do? And you know what his answer was to each of them? Try harder. Work harder. Be better. Nope. It was repent. Repent. It was a word that we've used multiple times now in the book of Revelation. Repent. Short definition of repent means to do a 180. To turn to Christ from yourself. The longer answer means humbly confess your guilt before God. Turn from your sinful heart. Trust in Jesus. Turn from your desires to be from being your own God to allow Jesus to be in control of your life. 
That's why I said trust Jesus as your life and not just with your life. Trust Jesus as your life, not just with your life. It's more than just believing some things about Jesus in your mind. We all have thoughts about Jesus. I could talk to anybody and they'll tell me their thoughts about Jesus. What it is, is a heart change that leads to life change. That is what we see here. It isn't us working harder or trying to do better or trying to impress God because my scale is better on this side than it is on that side. It's about Him changing our lives and what I actually even want to live for. See, when He comes into my life and He changes that black spot, it becomes all the rest of it after that is because I'm no longer living for myself. He has put that desire in my heart. So as we look at this, as we look at the rest of this rope, this is a decision that, that you can make today or not. But again, as I've said before, to choose is to, or not to choose is to choose. The decision we make in this life about who Jesus is and who he needs to be in our lives will affect the rest of this. This rope that continues to go on and on and on. Will you live eternally with God or will you live eternally without God? Will you live in eternal joy as we will see in Revelation 20 and 21 and 22 over the next couple of weeks? Or will you live in eternal torment? And I know that sounds like a wicked, wicked word. So, and even as we've been going through the book of Revelation and you see all the symbolism that's out there, some people go, well, that's just symbolic. The lake of fire and all that stuff and the torment and the smoke burning. Can I just ask you a question if that's what you're thinking? And I'm a symbolic guy. The question would be this. What exactly does that symbolize? Sounds pretty bad either way. With God or without God. It is our choice. So I'm actually going to give you an invitation today. Actually, one of three invitations today. One, the first one, to, really, uh, to receive Jesus and the new life that he brings. And the new eternity he brings. That new life is both now and eternal. To make Jesus your life. I don't care how long you've been in church I don't care if you've come every Easter since you were born. I don't care if you were born in a pew. That doesn't matter. What matters is, is do you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Have you trusted Him as your life? If you have not, do it today. The second thing is, is last week we had a handful of people come up to me afterwards and say, I want to get baptized. I want to get baptized. Baptism, by the way, isn't synonymous with salvation it's a follow-up to salvation baptism is a public celebration of a personal decision after you've trusted jesus as lord the next step is going public with that decision that's the second option i'm going to give you today if you've accepted christ but have never been baptized make that choice let's make that big celebration happen the third thing third invitation if you've done both of these things already but this life has gotten distracted that you're living more for the black spot than you are for the rest of eternity? Can I challenge you today to refocus on why Jesus saved you in the first place? A lot of people think that we got saved to go to heaven. We got saved for the glory of God. We need to refocus on that. Let's pray together. Father, thank you again for today. And thank you for the opportunity to be able to be in your presence, to be able to come and celebrate, but especially today as we remember the resurrection as we remember the defeat of death, as we remember the defeat of Satan, as we remember the defeat of sin in itself so that we can have life, God, may you have the glory. May you work in our hearts. May you work in our minds. May you work in our lives in the way that we live them out. 
not because we have to, but because we want to, because you have changed us. You've changed our focus, you've changed our hearts, and you've changed our desires into what would be you instead. God, thank you for the picture in Revelation 19 of your son, Jesus Christ. Help us to know that today instead of on a day that is too late. We pray it all in your name. Amen. I'm going to slide over here off to the side, and I would love to take a chance to be able to just to talk to you about baptism, about salvation, or even just about refocusing on why you got saved in the first place. I'll be over here as we sing this last song.